Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for this time that we have to, to worship you through our singing, uh, through our gathering with one another, through studying of your word. We pray, Father, that you would lead us today, that you would guide us. Lord, help us to understand as we um, take the next couple weeks to, to really look at uh, this idea of love, this, 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 this word that we use for uh, how I feel about in and out how I feel about my wife and children, and how you tell us that you feel about us. Uh, it, it certainly, uh, the, love word, lo- the word love carries with it a whole bunch of ideas and concepts. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to understand the Bible's meaning of love, which you have called us uh, to live out in our lives with one another. So I pray, Father, that you would teach us what love is, that you would help us uh, to love better in our lives, uh, in our marriages, in our families, with our children, with our grandchildren, with our parents, with those uh, that we go to church with, with our neighbors, with the people around us. Father, we ask that your love would so uh, be a part of who we are that it flows out of us just naturally, supernaturally. And it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen. All right, so 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loves us or loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us God is love, and in the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also we are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears might not be perfected in love. The one who fears is not perfected in love, excuse me. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. 
And whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. And Father, we do thank you uh, for this word. We ask, Lord, that you would help us now. And it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen. All right, so the word love is used a whole bunch in here. There's no way I could tackle this in one Sunday. I'm, I'm, the, the reality is, is like, can I, can I tackle this at all? Like, this is such a, like a huge concept to love. It's like, like what is love? Um, <clears throat> and so a group of professionals thought they would go to some experts on love. So they went to some kids, and they asked the kids, what is love? And some of their answers are brilliant, Chrissy, age six, says this one, super convicting to me. Love is when you go out and eat and give somebody most of your French fries without making them give you any of theirs. I'm still working on that one. Terry, age four, love is what makes you smile when you're tired. Uh, Danny, age seven, love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him <laughs> to make sure it tastes okay. <clears throat> Bobby, age five. Love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening the presents and listen. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Noel, age seven. Love is when you tell a guy that you like his shirt and he wears it every day. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Mayanne, age four. Love is... When your puppy licks your face, even after you left him home alone all day. <laughs> the puppy's not holding the grudge. Uh, Jessica, age seven. You really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot. People forget. Uh, Rebecca, age eight. This one was beautiful to me. Uh, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So it gives me choked up. So my grandfather does it for her all the time even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. And so I think I'm going to reference French fries throughout today's passage because it's the one that was most convicting to me. Uh, as we look at this section, oh, there goes a little, this little thing is a, a critical piece, but I'll just deal with it later. Um, um, so today's passage deals with love. This, this whole section over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at love. What, how the Bible def, defines love, how we, as those who are in Christ, are supposed to e- exhibit uh, love. Um, in many ways, uh, in my mind, sort of the picture that's there is that God is love, which we see. So in, in another sort of illustration, like God is electricity, and we all sort of become light switches. And so like if you've received Christ is your Savior, you have Christ within you, and his love is within you, and then you have the capacity to flip that switch off, to block the flow of love to flow through you, or you have the capacity to leave the switch on and to allow his love to flow through you. And so if you get anything from today, if you have trusted in Christ as your Savior, you're commanded today to flip that switch up and to allow God's love to flow through you. It's really quite, it's as simple as that. It's a little bit more difficult to live out. And so we begin in verse 7. Beloved, 
This, this whole letter is a letter from the Apostle John to the church. These individuals who are believers in Christ, they know God, they love God. There's an attack against them that they would uh, sort of be pressed away or led away from the truth of the gospel. But John doesn't condemn them. He's encouraging them to stay strong, to stay focused, to stay in the gospel. It's not a letter of condemnation. He refers to them as his little children, beloved, let us love one another for the love for love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. That's the Gnosko experiential love. And so there's a command here to let us love. The Apostle John holds himself in the standard. He's, in, he's included. There's a command for us. We are instructed by God to love one another. And so the question is, well, why should we do this? Why should we love? And then he answers that, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God. This idea of being born again. If you have received Christ as your Savior, we're told that you have been born anew, that the Spirit of God is within you, that the old has passed away, the new has come, and that you're this new creature in Christ. So if you've received him as your Savior, you have the Spirit of God within you. If you have the Spirit of God within you, that means that you have God's nature within you. Uh, the nature of God is that God is love, which we will see in a little bit. And so we're commanded to love one another because love is from God, and everyone who loves God is born of God and knows God. He goes sort of the, the negative in verse 8. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And so this is sort of the, the negative aspect of the previous verse. It's, it's a truth simply stated. If you were to say this a different way, it would read something along the lines of, it is impossible not to love other people after you have experienced the love of God. And so if you are not demonstrating the love of God within your life, then that means that you don't know God. This is a very challenging thing. So if my life isn't exhibiting God's love, there's a, what's going on? What, what is the barrier? What's causing my light switch to be off? And he says that the one who does not love does not know God. And then he says an aspect, a character trait of God, that God is love. And it, we have to be careful here in our culture um, because in our culture, uh, this word love has been so uh, manipulated, so twisted, so uh, the, the idea to mean something totally different than what it, the Bible uh, insinuates. I mean, there's, there's bumper stickers out there all over the place. You know, if I say love wins, immediately in your mind, if you're engaged with our culture even a little bit, it means something that's totally different and distinct from that which God has revealed in his word. And so we're told that God is love. This doesn't mean that God's sole characteristic is love. But God's, one of his characters, who the person of God is, is love. Um, this doesn't mean that love is God, that if you see love, there are some cultures that say when you see love, like love uh, in its own right when you see love, that's actually God manifesting himself. That doesn't necessarily, uh, that's not necessarily what it's saying. So, so love is not God. God is love is the same thing as saying that uh, red is not blood, but blood is red. 
that make sense? Just make sure everybody's like looking at me like, okay, like, are you, are you, are you with me? So God is love. That, that it's just one aspect. God is also just. God is also merciful. God is also holy. God is righteousness. There, there's a whole bunch of different attributes about God. Um, and so when he, sa- he goes on to say, by this, the love of God, verse 9, by this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. And so the love of God is displayed uh, through his giving of his son. And so this is interesting. If we go back to 1 John three sixteen, we read, we know this, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And now uh, he continues to expand on this. If you want to know what love is, what love looks like, we go to the person of Jesus. We're not looking at his incarnation, his coming to earth. We're looking at him selflessly, sacrificially going to the cross to bear the penalty that was due us. And so he says, by this, the love of God was manifested to us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. And so this phrase, this is that so that we might live through him, this is sort of where I get the picture of the light switch. I am not an electrician. I don't even pretend to like, if it deals with electricity, I normally call Rick, say, hey, Rick, like, I think I did this right. He's like, yeah, flip the switch, see what happens. I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm calling you. I'm like really concerned about this because it's like this highway of stuff that wants to kill me. And if the switch is there, if I flip it and it goes wrong, then that means it's over, like for me. Like, and I, I'd rather you flip the switch. Like, I'd, like not very selfless, but... Uh, um, I've called him multiple times. Hey, just talk me through what he. I'm like, yeah, this, this, this. He's like, you're good. Flip the switch, man. Flip the switch. And I'm like, oh man, either he really likes me or he really doesn't like me. And and so this is like the picture. Jesus came. He loved sacrificially, selflessly. He absorbed the wrath of God. If you have come to the place where you acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, He is your Savior. You've tapped into this. Now that you have submitted your life to Him, now. You are connected to him. His love has entered your life, and we're to continue to live through him by his example, by his spirit, and this attribute of love is supposed to flow through us. Uh, In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So in this, God sending his son to us, we're supposed to live through his son in this, Uh, In this is love, not that we initiated. We initiated nothing to God. We were separated from him. We were enemies of his. There, There is nothing that we could do to get right with God. And the Bible tells us that God loved us. He is the one who initiated. He's the one who took the first step. He's the one that said, I created you in my image. You're separated from me because of your sin. I am going to make the first step. I'm going to go through uh, this process of loving and making right. I'm going to send my son. My nature of love is going to rise up so that my nature and characteristic of justice can be met in the two. So God is just. He is holy. We are sinful. In order to have relationship, there has to be punishment. There has to be a consequence for the sin. 
that we have within us. And so Jesus came, his love rose up to meet the demand of justice so that God's character would not be contaminated. This is what the word propitiation means. This is a huge theological word. Uh, we read it back in 1 John chapter 2. If you want to turn back to 1 John chapter 2, he uses this word twice. If you have in your mind when you hear propitiation, if you have in your mind that it simply means sat, to be satisfied, you'll, ha- you'll have an understanding of what this word means. Uh, my little children, verse 1, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate or an attorney with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for those of the whole world. So here what we're told is that we have this problem of sin. Jesus came. He's our advocate. He's our attorney for this just, holy God, his Father, these people have sinned. They have sinned against, we have sinned against God. We've done wrong. Because of our sin, we're separated from God. Jesus says, I came. I led, I led a perfect life. I went to the cross. At the cross, I was brutally executed. The wrath of God was poured out on me. I absorbed it in full. Every sin that every human, past, present, future, yours included, were placed upon him. He absorbed it in full. The Father says, I'm satisfied. The, the punishment has been paid. Hallelujah. This is, a, this, is a, this is a huge thing. This is if you're a parent and your kid does something wrong and there's a consequence to be met, the consequence is dished out. Hopefully, as a parent, once the consequence is like dished out, you go to your child, you say, I love you, it's over, it's paid for, we're, we're good. Jesus has done this for us. He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Have you sinned? Absolutely. Have I sinned? Absolutely. Will you sin in the future? Positively. I am not sinless. I am one who has been forgiven. My sins have been absorbed by Christ, and I am a forgiven sinner. I am not a sinless Christian. There is no such, such thing as a sinless Christian. And so he says, this is the love of God, that his son would be sent, his son would absorb the wrath that has been required for you. Is it hot in here, or is it me? Some people are nodding. So Jim, did you ever get a key? You got a key. Take care of the problem. Jim's the AAC guy. It feels hot, and I don't know if it's because we're talking about sin and hell and all this stuff, like, I don't like, this is not, you know, but it's, 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 it's warm in here. So this idea of like uh, propitiation, this is a huge theological concept that we need to absorb because when we absorb this, this helps our guilty consciences, this helps our, our uh, like desire within us to think, I'm not good enough, I've done all of these things, I need to get right with God, so I'm going to do this and this and that, and if I do these things, then God will be okay with me. And the Bible tells us that God is okay with you if you've received Christ as your Savior because He has paid what you owe in full, huge, totally and completely. So also, when God is saying, because you've received me as your Savior, 
I'm not asking you to love because you're deficient in your account with me and how you treat one another. This is going to sort of bridge the gap. It's going to make you right with God. That is covered. Your relationship with the Father is secure based on the work of Christ. And if you've received the Son, you've been forgiven. And so now that you've received the Son, the Son's love is in you and naturally is to allow His love, you being the light switch, to flow out of you. And then it will continue to pass through you to the people around you. It's not to earn favor with God. It's because you've earned, you have favor with God through Christ. Not that you've earned anything. We've, none of us have earned anything. Henry Ironside says this. We hated him. We loved our own way. We wanted to take our own course. We did not want to be submissive to his holy will. But he loved us and looked upon us in grace. He yearned to have us with him in glory, free from every stain of sin. And because there was no other way whereby that could be affected, he sent his son to become the propitiation for our sins. Do not talk about believing that God is love if you do not accept the gift of his love. The Lord Jesus Christ, for in him alone we have life and propitiation. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is huge. When this reality sinks in that you're debt-free, like that your sin, the sin of your debt is gone, it's been absorbed, it's been paid for by the love of God, this is overwhelming. This, this is life-changing this is why if you're here because somebody's been nagging you to go to church and they've like found something and they keep, they just won't shut up about it. That's how I ended up in church is that my friend found Jesus. The reality is Jesus found him and he came to respond to the gospel. He was so overwhelmed with it that he wouldn't shut up and inviting me to church. I was so annoyed after like months and months and months of his asking me to go to church that I finally said, I surrender. I'll make a deal with you. I will go to church once under one condition that you promised never to ask me to go to church again. And he said, all right. And then I was like, oh, man, I bargained too low. I got to like, I'm like, oh, time out. I'm going in T-shirts and shorts and flip-flops. He's like, dude, the, the pastor's an ex-pro surfer. He'll be barefoot. You're good. And I'm like, so jokes on me. So here I am as a pastor because of what my friend had the courage to do because of what happened in his life to invite me to come hear about the gospel and then over the course of like a couple years of hearing the gospel and realizing what God has done for me, my life has been totally transformed. I've like walked away, like walked away from everything that I knew and valued for something new that I valued and loved even more. And living for God will deliver far more than this world could ever possibly deliver for you. This world delivers empty promises that lead nowhere. He goes on to say in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So this is like beating the dead horse, you know, like how did God love us? John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He said that there was this exchange, that Jesus was our substitute. Jesus came and he became and absorbed our sin totally, completely, in full. When we come to faith in Christ and we believe in him, this transaction happens that then in us, what God sees is not our sin, not our ugliness, not the vileness within us. What he sees is the bloodstained cross of Jesus, and Jesus' righteousness has been imputed to us. It's a word that means credited to our account. And so as a result, having received this love, the natural response for us is that we ought to love one another. Paul would encourage the church in Philippi to have the same attitude that Christ had in him. Philippians 2.5, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. What attitude was in Christ Jesus? Although he existed in the form of God, that he was God, he did not regard equality with a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. There Jesus was in heaven. We're coming up upon Christmas season um, where we celebrate the birth of Christ, his coming into the earth. It's so easy for us to associate Jesus, his birth, to our own. That when we were conceived, that we came into existence, but that's not the case for Jesus. Jesus is outside of time before the time that he was conceived in Mary's womb, he existed in eternity past as God. And so what Philippians tells us is that if anybody had, could have pride or arrogance and say, I'm not going for this mission, I'm going to let this one go, it would be Jesus. But, he's, but we're told that he emptied himself. He was great, he became nothing. Taking on the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So what was this attitude of Jesus? Here he was, great, became nothing for us. And we're told that we're to have that same attitude that he had, not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. We often think of numero uno, right? Number one, I'm number one. The world revolves around me because that's how it looks through my eyes. And so the Bible tells us, no, the world doesn't actually revolve around you, Gunner. This is a huge place in life when you come to that place and you realize, you know what? The world doesn't revolve around me. The world is supposed to revolve around God and what God has done. He's the one that's supposed to receive all of the glory. We are nothing. We're simply people who've been loved by our creator. And so God's love was active. It was humble. It was sacrificial. We're not talking about a feeling of like that one little girl that said when you have like stars that float out of you, when you have that feeling. This is about like sacrifice and giving what's better for the other person. In our culture, love often means um, that we're using each other in order to appease something that makes us feel good. And that's not what the Bible talks about when it talks about love. Love is about doing what is better for the other person in a sacrificial way. 
And so if you have received the love of God in Christ, we are supposed to allow his love to flow after, like out of us. But so often we're quick to flip that switch off and to say, I'm not going to do it because I still have worldly concerns. I have my possessions. I have my time. I think of myself more highly than I ought to. That's not what the Bible tells me to do. He goes on to say, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. And so there's this challenge. If I don't have the love of God within me and pouring out of me into other people's lives, then it should cause pause do I know God? Have I experienced God? Am I actually walking with him? Because if it's not there, this is sort of a, a checkpoint that I should have some, some concern and I should take inventory in my own life of like, why is this not there? And maybe I need to confess and get right with God. Maybe I don't actually know God and I need to come into relationship with him. Um, there's a transition, and there, like we're we're coming to a, like a conclusion here, uh, or a to be continued next week. But this word abide all of a sudden appears again, and then next week it's going to appear like a whole bunch of times. We go from the love of God now this abiding in Him and He abiding in us, and how do we know that God's love is actually within us? But He's saying right here, if we love one another, God abides within us. We have verification that God is within us. And that as we love, his love is perfected within us. He says, no one has seen God at any time. We might see an aspect of God. But I think what he's saying here, as we, as the children of God, love in a way that's different from the world's sake of love, while the world cannot see God, it can see God through us. And this is a huge thing. When the world looks at the church and says, there's something that's different about these people, and it makes no sense. The only thing that can make sense of this is that they've experienced God and that God is within them. And so the question to end with this week is like, like, how, like for me, probably not you guys, but this was like a real struggle for me and it was first exposed when I first got married. Uh, married life often exposes our weaknesses. Ann and I got married and it wasn't like within 48 hours that I was trying to stab her hand with a fork because she was still in my fries. And it's like, why? I offered to get you fries. She's like, I only want a couple fries. And I'm like, yeah, but I want exactly this many fries. <laughs> and it's like, I knew that when I took this into, like, now I just buy her extra fries. Because she always say, no, I, don't, I only want a couple fries. I'm like, okay, can I get two fries, please? Um, <clears throat> and she always wants them. But so the question is, like, how can we share our fries in a practical way this week? Like, like God's given us fries. Like, and this isn't with just people that you like, it's with people that you don't like. Our nation is like super polarized. Like the world is super polarized. Like our mar marching orders in the Bible, it's to love. Like that we're to love one another. Not to love programs, not to love politics, not to love various institutions. Sure, you, you might have an interest in those things. But, but our marching orders are to love. To love like Christ. And how did Christ love? He gave of himself. And so what can we give of ourselves that is like Christ? And so what are some of our like precious possessions? Our precious possessions are our time. Like that's one. Our time, the resources that God has blessed you with, they're also uh, precious. 
he, he gave of himself. Like everything that he had, he gave. Like our, our passions. We should experience Christ. We should be passionate for him. We should be passionate about sharing him with others. And this is like terribly difficult because there isn't necessarily an application that I can give to you. Like if you want to like follow after Christ this week, check this box. Like, we have to ask ourselves, if Christ loved in this way sacrificially, we have to ask ourselves, what does this look like for me in my family? What does this look like for me in my church? What does this look for, like for me in my place of employment, in my neighborhood, in the grocery store, driving down the roads? Um, how, how does this manifest? And I can't, I, can't, I just can't say you need to do this, this, and this. Because this passage forces us to draw into the person of Christ and to recognize what he's done for us so that we say, Lord, here's my life. I want you to, to take over, to take the steering wheel, to flow through me. Allow me not to get in your way. I want to be a vessel for you. And so I am thankful like, I think when I look at this passage, it's hard to try to figure out, like, how does this look like in a practical, practical sense flowing out? But it's so powerful when I think about those that have invested in me. And, and I, I'm so thankful for those individuals in my life who went out of their way to demonstrate love. For my friend that nagged me to go to church, I know it was a super terrifying thing, and we were not easy. Like, we, there was a whole bunch of us. We were not kind to him. We were not gentle with him. But because of his, like, boldness and his courage to, like, put his reputation on the line to invite us to church, my life has been changed. And so I'm thankful that he loved me in that way. There are so many people in our lives that, that I believe if you know Christ, you should be able to draw from the people that have impacted you and the impact that they've had in your life because they loved you like Christ loved you. And so let's do that this week. Father, we do thank you. I, I'm catching myself. Let's, let's not do that this week. Let's, Lord, may our lives be lives who are clearly connected to you. Father, we ask that your spirit would indwell in us. May he have control over us. May we hear his voice. May we yield to his nudgings. Father, I pray that you would place uh, people on our, our hearts and our minds. Lord, help us to see the people around us through your eyes. And if there are ways that we can tangibly, practically love others as you have loved us, Father, I pray that you would help us to be open to the idea and to follow through with that idea. We are so thankful, God, that you loved us as you loved us. We thank you that our relationship with you isn't based on our works. It's based on the work of Christ. We thank you, God, that you have enabled us and equipped us by your spirit to be uh, your advocates, uh, to be, I mean, not advocates, but ambassadors to the world around us. Father, we pray uh, that if we have a light switch within us, that you would help us to flip it on and to allow your love 
your spirit, your energy to flow through us to the world around us. Father, may there be less of our flesh in our own lives and more of your spirit. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for how you have used people in my own life to grow me closer to Christ. And I pray, Father, for each person here that you would help us to do the same in other people's lives. Uh, We love you, Lord, and we pray this in Christ's good name.